0: Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out.
1: Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of, you guessed it. Let's talk with Renee Dallow, and you know that. You know why? Because you clicked on it on your phone, and here you are. It's me, your girl, Renee Dallow. This week, I have a fabulous and fascinating guest that is, she will probably be new to you, Silvana Roche. How are you?
0: I am doing pretty swell today. We're, as you know, in the middle of a heat wave in California. That's right. But I had my yoga this morning, so all is well with the world, I think.
1: I love it. I also think that you are the first person to answer how are you with the word swell, and I appreciate that very much. (laughs) Thank you. I like I like the word swell. We don't use it enough. We need to bring it back. How are you? I'm swell. Oh, I love it. 1940s. Here we go. (laughs) I mean, my wedding planning company is named Moxie Bright Events, so I do have an affinity for the 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 lesser used words out there, you know. Um, Well, Silvana, today we're here. You're here. And we are going to talk about... Going beyond your fears, mm, I love it. <laughs> we all get real. We all get deep and introspective <laughs> about it. I I can get. I can guarantee you at least one person was like, "Oh nope," and like nope out. And I'm gonna tell you the rest of you who are still here, this is gonna be a roller coaster of the best kind because we are gonna talk through a lot of things. Going beyond your fears, you know, we talk a lot about mindset on the show, and. I think when we talk about going beyond your fears, I think for some people that brings up a lot of fears. Totally. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that?
0: Uh, people don't want to go there. And mm, yeah. I, I can empathize with that. And I also know that it can be a conversation. It can be something like, look, like if you do it with someone it's less scary if somebody says, "You know what? Let's let's hold hands together while we do this and let's just go see what shows up. And don't worry, I'll be here with you and we'll just just figure it out as things are happening, right? I I like right. when we're going beyond our fears, whatever it is that I'm diving into with somebody. I like to also bring some humor to the table, right? Like Because I know you said when we talk about fear, like we feel like it's going to get all serious and all stuff like that, but it it can also be playful and it can also, there can also be a levity to it. So that's... All right. I'm here for that. (laughs) So that's sort of what I like to bring to it, knowing that, you know, having the reverence for what it is for someone to go beyond their fears. Because in order to go beyond your fears, you have to go into the fear and kind of look it in the face and and see what, yeah. what what it's made of and what it's saying and why it's there and get to know it a little bit. But it's a lot less yeah. scary when you do it with somebody there.
1: Well, let's just pretend, my dear listeners, that we are like holding hands through the internet today for the next however many minutes we're here together. Yeah? Yes. I wanna to talk to you about something in the notes for the show that I was like, huh. In the notes for the show it says, how are your secret fears, your secret fears you guys, keep you from being the CEO you're meant to be. Yeah. Talk to me about yeah. that.
0: They're secret because they are the things that we are wanting to hide and we are hoping that nobody will notice about us. We are covering up <laughs> for them. They are masquerading as other things. They're showing up with a different face. So they're, they're the kinds of things that we, f- we hold a little bit of like anguish or shame around and we think mm-hmm. there's something wrong with us for being that way. So they stay secret for a long time. And because of that, we start to kind of internalize them. And, and, you know, some of these fears that we have, we've had them maybe since childhood or since we were a teenager and we got scarred by some horrible thing that happened, right, that made us uh, invent some story that is something like I'm not cool enough or I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough. Right. Whatever that story yes. is became like our thing that we had to hide, right? Oh, I must make sure that I'm not desirable. That story that I have around not being desirable, that never gets found out. And so people start to integrate this. And so they're secret because A, there may be a part of us that's trying to cover it up, to hide it, et cetera. B, because they're probably hidden from us too, right? we got to internalize them. That's what I was gonna ask. And they became part of the background.
1: And we're not even aware that they're
0: in the background anymore sometimes.
1: Right, like now i'm sitting here going like do i have a secret fear that i'm keeping a secret from myself i mean i'm sure i do every i think we all do we all do maybe yeah there are things that are just hiding in our blind
0: spots and honestly you know calling it a secret fear is like a sexy name to like <laughs> make people make people want to like <laughs> be more interested in, in like exploring this with themselves but i think when when it comes down to it 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 can just be like little limiting beliefs or big limiting beliefs. Yeah. But there are ways of thinking, they are ways of sort of programming that we've gotten in our minds yes. that became integrated yes. with us. And the good news about that is that even if they're hiding from you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So there's a moment in your life there, it may be a conversation with someone who puts a mirror up to you. Sometimes it's a really dear friend, right? Who says to you, you know, like I had a friend years ago tell me, basically, you're a really good friend, Sylvana, and you're always there for me. And I love that you listen like no one else does. But I know nothing about your life. And I feel like it's not a two-way relationship.
1: Wow. When she said that to me,
0: she uncovered my fear. The fear that I had was that nobody cares about me and nobody really wants to care for me, right? So I was having these one-sided friendships where I was very much showing up for the other person but not letting them in, right, because of this fear. But when she held that mirror up to me,
1: I was able to see it. And then I've never been able to. Knock. You were. So you weren't resistant to it. You weren't like, what are you talking about? You were like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. I think I was ready to hear it too, right? Because I I was definitely getting this feeling that my friendships were not as meaningful as I would like them to be. And I was like, why is that? And when she said yeah. that, some part of me resonated with it. So it wasn't secret to me anymore because I was able to see it and recognize it. And then ever since then, I could catch myself when I was doing that thing, right? So that's mm-hmm. the beauty of it yes. is they stay secret until somebody or something. Sometimes it's something tragic that happens in your life and it just shines a light on that yeah. thing, right? But something shakes you yeah. out of it um, and that they don't stay secret anymore. But yes, there are times when people resist seeing it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here just thinking just even just briefly, just that high, that little moment of spark in my brain just went off and went, Oh yeah. So like growing up, um, you know, a single mom, uh, only child, right. Mm. Had to be pretty independent, like really early on. Right. Like kind of had to fend for myself in a lot of ways. Right. Just cause mom's busy, several jobs, you know, it's New York city. Like that was the story. Therefore me as a human, uh, likes to wear the badge of like that. I'm not needy. Right. Mm, mm -hmm. But in my CEO role, I have people that work for me that need to be told what to do. And I need to be in a position where I'm asking them to do things because I am paying them. And early in my, in my entrepreneurship, when I did, you know, have fresh employees, brand new employees, I never asked them to do anything. I would pay them to do very little. Because I didn't need the help. Meanwhile, of course I needed the help. I was paying them and I had hired them. But it's like I could get as far as hiring them and then I'd be like, No, 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 I'm good. <laughs> 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 that's bananas. But now that I think about it, under the under this umbrella of this conversation, it's like, yeah, that's what I was doing, right? Like, oh who me? I don't need anything. I'm good. I got it. I got it myself. Yet I will pay you to do very little.
0: I love it. And you know what you're talking about is so common with CEOs because the ceo personality is definitely a go-getter personality and some yeah. of us get there because whatever we're go-getters by nature and some of us get there because of things like that because we had to learn to be go-getters from the time we were small because there wasn't really anybody else right but it's a very right. common one that i see with high achieving folks it's i got it i can do it on my own but it comes it comes from these places that are not that are not really healthy
1: Right. Of course not. No. And like you kind of have to unprogram yourself or for me, I have to like sort of force myself uh, to do the thing. So interestingly enough, so like when this episode airs, right, this episode will air like November, uh, November 10th, which is a day that I'll be in Las Vegas speaking at the Wedding MBA conference, which is like the biggest conference in the wedding industry. And I have two assistants coming with me. And my my coach said to me, um, in order to prepare for this trip, I think you need to put together some documents for these people that are there to assist you that are like um, almost along the lines of like personal assistant stuff. Like if Renee asks you for a coffee, this is what the order is. If Renee wow. needs a sandwich, this is what she wants. And I said to her, that's ridiculous. I will never ask for those things. And she's like, but you, you're going to need to. You can't be everywhere and do everything. Like help these people help you. Can I tell you, Silvana? it took me like three weeks to make this document. It is a single page document. <laughs> of full of information I already know about myself like what was the hesitation why did I resist so much right totally
0: and meanwhile these people are like I just need this lady to give me the information so I can do my job right so you see how you're blocking everybody else from doing their job but it's it's such a perfect example
1: well I'm happy to provide the perfect examples from my own mistakes (laughs) welcome to my show um So we've talked about on the show before, of course, mindset. We've talked about, you know, um, abundance mindset, scarcity mindset. Talk to me about like how, as the CEO, how your behavior sets the tone. Like, and and how do you know if you've set a bad tone?
0: Oh, that's so great. Let's start there, which is where most of my clients start with me when I get the email about, uh, can you talk with me and can I get some help? It's because... There, there are things that are happening that are letting them know that something needs to change, right? And you could say if you if you're the CEO, you've set the tone for the company. you think it should look a certain way, that the culture should look a certain way, that people should be working a certain way, right? That the results should be happening in a certain way. the re- The way you know that it's not going according to plan is because you're gonna have some of your key people leave the company there is going to be either conflict that you can see and kind of sense in the hallways, so to speak. Now, much less, you know, it's more like in the, in a Slack, in the Slack room, right. you'll, you'll <laughs> sense some, um, some conflict, right. but conflict doesn't always look overtly conflict-like, right? Sometimes it looks like withdrawing. Sometimes it looks like avoiding people or topics, etc. And you'll see that, Essentially, the company that you built that you thought was going to have a certain flavor actually doesn't have that flavor at all. You also know that the tone that you think you've set isn't really working out as planned because there are things that keep coming to your attention that you did not know about. It's almost like things are going on in your company that you don't know because people are either afraid to tell you or they don't think they can tell you or they don't think you you care or they don't Right? whatever, whatever is going on, whatever they think about uh, that the CEO can deliver or not, or can handle or not, there's going to be a lot of things that seem to pop up at the last minute.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. That is sort of a a red flag in a way, right? It's like, I didn't know this was happening. Then you bring it to me at the last minute or when it's already escalated and it's like, wait, how did we get here? Like if you're missing that middle piece, then yeah, maybe (laughs) maybe there's something there. Right.
0: Totally. So it's, I would say it's those things, right? Like your main, your key people, some of your key people leaving, things coming out of the blue, seemingly at the last minute, conflict either in overt or subtle ways, and just a flavor that the company you set with a certain tone doesn't look like what you thought it would.
1: Yeah, I'm also thinking about some, you know, entrepreneurs, maybe like an accidental entrepreneur that didn't really. set out to achieve any kind of corporate culture because they don't think of themselves that way, right? They're just, maybe they're like a solopreneur that had to hire a few extra hands and now they're like, oh crap, I'm someone's boss now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of times, especially for, you know, wedding pros, I'm going to go on a limb here and say to my listeners, like, you know, a lot of us started off as like, I want to plan weddings. And all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but over the years, you have four people that look to you for guidance and you're like, oh, I didn't intend... I didn't really set any kind of company culture. Like there is always a chance to reset. There is always a chance to reestablish that relationship or that energy, right? Totally.
0: And that's a great point because when you talk about reset and set up people with a certain energy, you're talking about setting intentions. And that is probably the word intention in my coaching sessions comes up, if not at every coaching session, I mean, all the time, right? But intention is. It means you basically see something that is happening and you go, either that's what I want to have happen and I want to set my intention to have more of it happen or what I see is not what I want to see. And in that moment, you can have that reset and kind of gather everybody around and speak the intention for yourself, for them and remind everybody, this is what we're going for. This is what we're here to do. This is the energy that we want to hold with each other. And this is, this is the path right? Like this is what we're after here. But that's, that's true. When you're talking about your wedding, your wedding um, planner folks, it's the kind of thing where you don't know that you're going to end up actually having to coordinate a lot of different people, a lot of different roles, schedules, logistics, and you're going to have to get intentional for sure
1: with anything. Yes. Well, But Silvana, what do you think about my, because I know people are listening right now who are like, well, that sounds very bold. I can't do that. I'm an introvert. That's not my personality. That's not my style. Like, what do we think about all this for our, I mean, I'm not an introvert, but what, what about the introverts in the crowd?
0: I'm smiling because I work mostly with introverts.
1: I believe personally (laughs)
0: introverts make the best leaders.
1: Um, Tell me more about that Yeah,
0: introverts pay attention a lot. They're listening. They are constantly reading the room. They're constantly paying attention to the little things that others may not be paying attention to. So I have met both wonderful leaders who are both extroverts and introverts, but I don't want people to ever think that because they're an introvert, they're not meant to be a leader because I see plenty equally. Uh, plenty of great leaders that are either introverts or extroverts. And I really think that the introverts, those things that we tend to think are kind of weaknesses in introverts that they maybe don't like to talk to every single person at the party or they, you know, they're not as visible yeah. or they're not as outgoing or as charismatic. I say, hmm, but they're paying attention. They're listening. They're almost eavesdropping. They're seeing all the little things and they're, they're listening.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, listen, I I 100% agree with you. And I will say as an extrovert, I think, you know, the work for an extrovert is to be so self aware that you know, when, when to be what kind of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Like when to bring the extrovert energy and when to not. And I think it's the extroverts that don't know how to modulate that that get into trouble. Just to speak for my extroverts in the room.
0: (laughs) Totally. Just like if you're an introvert, you can also get yourself in trouble, right? But it's all about modulating, well, sure. like you're saying. And I think, yeah, I think the big key piece is just because you're an introvert does not mean that you cannot be a great leader. In fact, it, it could be the opposite. If you really learn to harness those strengths, they can be super useful in a, in a leadership role.
1: I want to talk about Steve Jobs as a leader because it was in your notes and I'm I'm so curious to know what you think about him.
0: Yeah, Steve Jobs comes up. Often in my coaching sessions, uh, because a lot of people look up to him in a way, right? He's such a legend. He yeah. created something so amazing. I mean, we all have a little piece of Steve Jobs in our lives today, I think, right? He yeah. really left a, an amazing legacy that is continuing to grow beyond beyond his time at Apple and beyond his time on, on this earth. And often the the reason Steve Jobs comes up in my conversations with clients is because often I'll hear from clients something like when we're talking about their leadership style and they'll say, you know, I really admire Steve Jobs and I know that the guy was a jerk and I know that he you know, was <laughs> completely like unpredictable and he could be volatile, mercurial, he's been uh, described as, right?
1: One day he loved day he. That's he, a sexy you know, word for chaotic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, never mind all the mental health issues he created and all the people who were closely working with him, right? But so I often get this question of, you know, Steve Jobs, he was a jerk, right? But like, look at what he created. And I like to respond, okay. What if he wasn't a jerk? Like, what could he have created, right? It's almost like people are saying Ooh. that because he was a jerk, he created something amazing. And the way I'm looking at it is he actually limited himself in what he could have created in his life. If he hadn't burned all those bridges, if he had, I'm like killing sacred cows here. Um, if he hadn't <laughs> burned all those bridges, <laughs> and if he hadn't kind of destroyed so, um, so many key relationships, What could he have created? I mean, think about that.
1: I mean, that's an excellent point that I actually don't think I've ever uh, put my brain to, right? Because, I mean, my thing with Steve Jobs is like, you know, obviously we all hold, we we all have an iPhone, almost all of us. And and I, I think I just never held him as an example for myself because I just will always tend to pick a female entrepreneur as that person for me. But i totally understand how he is both loved and scrutinized right but what yeah but what if he wasn't a jerk what more could he have accomplished in his relatively i mean in all in all the grand scheme of things short life totally yeah he was very young and, and he yeah. was
0: starting to go on a journey, you know, in his last years of life, he was starting to go on a journey of self-discovery and especially healing. I mean, so much healing that he needed to do here. I am psychoanalyzing Steve Jobs, who am I? Um, but yeah. And who knows how he could have evolved as a leader, had he lived longer. But I definitely want people to know that it's not, it's not because he was a jerk that he created something amazing. I actually believe he limited himself. And I like to take people away from that conversation of like, to be Steve Jobs or to not be Steve Jobs. And to be clear, most of my clients are tech CEOs, tech founders, C-suite we'll call them. And they're mostly men, I coach a lot of men. So the conversation with Steve Jobs, I think with that context makes a little bit more sense. But I try to take them away from, what if we're not talking about, to be Steve Jobs or to not be Steve Jobs, right? How about we don't let him dominate in our brains how to that right. And we right. think about, well, what could you take from Steve Jobs' leadership that was really, really useful and positive and constructive? And what do we want to leave aside so that we can go beyond,
1: right. beyond the kind of leader that he was, right? How about that? I mean, that's, that's it. Right. I mean, for me, as someone who is not a C-suite tech person, when I think about Steve Jobs, I think like he really just did something completely different. He changed, he changed all of our lives by, with his work. He did. His vision. And that's, and that's, yeah, his vision. Like he was ultimately like the visionary that you think of when you think, okay, I have to be the visionary in my business. Like that's Steve Jobs. And so what piece of that can we take away? Right. It's like, Oftentimes I think, especially for, you know, entrepreneurs in the wedding space, it's like, we are bogged down in the day to day of running this business. And we don't often get to take that wide angle view of the business, or we don't allow ourselves the time, right. To do that and think like, what is my vision for this? It can't just be the day to day tasks that we get, you know, not distracted by because they have to get done, but, um, if anything, that's what I would take away from Steve Jobs is like, he could have done so much more, but also he he allowed himself to have that giant view of the world.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely an attribute that I would say makes the best CEOs. It's the person who can look at the current reality and even people who have created like amazing movements or these amazing nonprofits or who like, you know, broke... Broke the rules of something. They looked at the current reality, and they went, "No, no, that sucks," and I, I don't want it to suck, right? And they dedicated their lives to building something that would completely transform that thing that was sucking. We all yeah. need those people. Yeah. Thank God they and exist.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why I'm on my soapbox about <laughs> wedding management versus day of coordination for all my planners listening. Like I started this like six years ago and I'm not going to rest until everyone <laughs> stops calling it the wrong name because language is so important to me. And what we call what we do is so important to me because I think it it informs how people treat us. Right. And so um, I know one of your things is like, you know, how to change your reality by changing your language. And that's one of my like pet topics as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: You know, this is very timely. I um I was at a fundraising gala last week, and there was a raffle. And there were two big ticket, there was like 10 raffles, and then there were like two big ticket items among all the raffles. And my husband and I won the two big ticket items. <laughs> and I was like, totally embarrassed. <laughs> like for the <laughs> second one, when we won the second one, I was totally embarrassed. I told my husband, I was like, You go up there, like, I don't want people to think that, you know, I won the two big ticket items, whatever, (laughs) but the story has, is related to language because I am someone who wins raffles. Like here I am, like I'm saying it with language. I'm someone who wins raffles. I'm someone who's lucky. I'm someone who has like good fortune. Right. And I have for about the past 20 years. And it happened because I once won something when I was 19 and I liked that feeling. I liked the feeling of winning that raffle. And I said, huh. Going to decide that from here on, I'm the girl who wins the raffle. And ever since then, Renee, like, pretty much anytime there's a raffle involved, I will win it, you know? And I, I this is like a silly example, right? But yeah, the example of the language that you use to talk to yourself about yourself, about the world, about the reality that you live in is everything, right? And there, I could cite many, many other examples. That I have witnessed either in other people around me or in my own life where somebody one day made a decision and declared with their words, I am good at X. And they started to live as if and their life transformed, right? Or I am worthy or I am lovable. And in the same way, there are people walking around who are saying, I'm not lucky or I never, you know. I never get a good job or I never, I I always break my ankle when I'm on vacation, right? And like that always happens to them. That's the reality that they create. So language is constantly creating our own reality for ourselves, for the things that happen to us. But it also shows up in the way we lead others because just like our mind is always listening to to what we're saying, the people around us are always listening to what we're saying. So when you use a certain type of language and you say certain things over and over and over, people are going to also make that the reality about you
1: and about them
0: and about the relationship you have together.
1: It's so true. I love the raffle story. It kind of reminds me, I don't know if you uh, read Denise Duffield Thomas's book, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. Oh, it's a great book, but it's about money mindset. And she talks similarly about how she decided she wanted to travel Uh, She kept writing and journaling and talking to herself and others about her desire to travel. This was like when she was in her early 20s. And she put herself into all these contests for, you know, to win travel. And she won an around the world trip, like literally around the world for six months.
0: Amazing.
1: And right when you read it, you're like, okay, well, that was just lucky. But of course, yes, it was lucky. But she also like directed all of her energy in that in that direction. And and lo and behold, right look what happened and you know my husband and I always um my husband is a stand-up comic in addition to being a tv producer and every so often like when he leaves to go do his shows which I don't go to his shows all that often anymore because there's so many of them and I also run a business before he leaves like we have this little back and forth where I'll say have fun at the show and he'll say I hope I don't suck and I (laughs) said well you will with that mentality (laughs) And so like in a negative way, we, we sort of call it out to each other, like, hope I don't suck. I'm like, well, so now that you mentioned it, you know, yeah, like yeah, you may yeah. as well do the other, right? Have a good show, you're gonna kill it. Of course you will, if you, th- if you say it that way, right? Like whatever you put out there, you're more likely to get. And that's, I mean, it sounds woo woo, but it's just true.
0: It is because our, our minds are, I mean, I learned this from uh, Marissa Peer, who's this brilliant hypnotherapist from the UK. She says the mind is always listening. Right, and whatever you're speaking into words, and you may not even say them with your mouth, but even if you're saying them in your mind, your mind is listening, and your mind is going, "Oh, your life is a nightmare." Oh, okay, well, I I didn't know that it was a nightmare. Well, let me get to work on making sure that that's your reality, and that that matches yes. what we're experiencing. Right, so there there's also some there's also some psychology to it, right? To to say there's some science to it. It's it's a mismatch that happens when we're speaking one thing, doing another, not being aligned, etc. So we might as Very well use true. it to our advantage.
1: Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about your work as an executive coach, because like I, I said this to you before we started recording, but for most of my listeners, I'm not exactly sure that everyone in the wedding space knows what an executive coach does. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, one?
0: thanks for asking. And and it's, yeah, it's
1: kind of a newer, it's kind of a
0: It's only become more well-known in the last few years. So it's kind of a newer profession that's becoming more mainstream. So an executive coach is, you know, we do train as life coaches, as executive coaches, and then we specialize in executive coaching. And executive coaching is not business coaching. So we don't, we're not sitting down and, and designing business strategy with our clients. We're not telling them what business decisions to make. The executive coach is helping this client, this executive, whether it's a CEO, CTO, uh, maybe a VP of marketing or something, right? What have you, we're helping this executive manage their internal psychology and manage their relationships with other humans. It's all about how to be a leader of humans. So it's less about the technical, even though there is technical aspects to what we'll do, we'll, we'll give people... Um, some techniques to try some there's definitely some uh, processes and things that they can put into place but it's more about how to be a leader of humans how to manage your internal psychology how to build relationships how to do that tough human stuff that falls yeah. to you when you are the boss inevitably oh. it's all people's stuff when you're it's... the boss
1: It's all people stuff. It's so good. You know what, Silvana, when I started this podcast uh, like two years ago now, one of the things that I felt so strongly about was bringing in people like you from outside of the wedding industry, which can be very insular and very small, right? And we tend to like learn from the same 20 people, right? And it's like a little bit of an echo chamber. And my desire was always to bring in people like you to sort of show us what else is out there in the world, in the business world, because I think what you do is so powerful and so needed and so useful because aren't we all just trying to like human better <laughs> for lack of a, oh, an elegant that. term, <laughs> you know? And and I just, I just want wedding pros and creatives to know that like someone like Silvana, who's like, yes, focusing on C-suite people, like these these amazing humans exist to help us human better and and this is available to us as well on some level right This is not for other people this is not for the Steve Job billionaires of the world. like we can all benefit from doing this kind of deep work.
0: Totally I, I wish everybody could have their coach seriously because no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're how you're spending your days, you're still leading yourself. you're leading the people, the clients you're leading your family, you're leading the team that's working with you. Like we're all leading in some form, but are we doing it by default or are we doing it in a way that's by design and done very intentionally? And again, I love that you said, you know, it's not just for like the Steve Jobs of the world because we're all dealing with human stuff. We're all dealing with those times when I feel like I am i don't know what I'm doing. We're all having imposter syndrome at times. We're all having maybe misunderstandings with the people we're working with at times. So yeah, this is, this is something that I, I wish everyone could have access to. And there are ways, you know, there's group programs, there's coaches who write books who will give you all their secrets and they'll say, this is how you can apply coaching to leading your team. I mean, there's luckily today so, so many ways to get access to coaching principles in yeah. many different
1: ways. Silvana, what do you think about maybe someone listening who thinks like, okay, well, that's all well and good, but shouldn't I, shouldn't I instinctively know how to do this? What do you say to those folks? Oh, I would
0: say to them, how, how did you learn to wedding plan,
1: or how did you (laughs) learn,
0: or how did you learn to be a designer? Uh, People will say, oh, well, you know, I went to university, or I took a series of courses, or I had to apprentice with someone for years. So for all of the things that we do, we all had to learn it, right? We didn't come out of the womb knowing how to do the thing that we do. And I say, this yeah. is the same thing. Knowing how to lead yourself with intentionality and knowing how to lead others with with intentionality as well is not something that we just know how to do. We have to learn it. It's a skill it's like a muscle that you build and you go to the gym and you keep doing your strength training with your trainer twice a week and you like build that muscle over time. But, you know, if nobody taught it to you, why why would you expect to know it? Just like how would you expect to be a creative if nobody trained you or, you know, taught you how to do it?
1: Excellent point. Excellent point. I think a lot of times we get we get down on ourselves for thinking like, oh, I should already know how to do this. You know, when in actuality, like you said, it's like, it's a skill like anything else. And, and for so many solopreneurs, especially who are now running teams, who are now, especially in this part of the wedding boom slash ongoing pandemic, where they're looking around like, how did all these people get around me? <laughs> how, suddenly I need all these people, right? It's like, do it, like, do yourself the favor and really seek out someone like Silvana who can help you just lead more effectively and more gracefully and with less uh i don't want to say drama in like an interpersonal drama but with with less like strife you know yeah less friction that's the right word less friction because like all of these things i mean i say this a lot on the show and i and i because i so strongly believe it but i think the true work of entrepreneurship is really just like self-knowledge and self-awareness and self-development like you can't do anything for anyone else if you haven't developed. Absolutely,
0: yourself. and can I recommend a great book that is it for anybody who's like just starting their journey of knowing, you know, self development and like learning how to be a leader? Sure, book. It's yeah, called uh, Leadership and Self Deception, and it's written by the Arbinger or Arbinger Institute, and. The title is is so right, intriguing, like you want to read it right away, but it's, it's all about what's at the core of why we have friction when we are interacting with others, leading others. And it's something that we can all universally relate to. Uh, the minute you read it, you get it, you see it in yourself and you're like, oh, I can fix this now. <laughs> Easily. And to me, it's one of the most life changing books I've read, honestly, like for my personal relationships, for my work with my clients. Obviously, I I pull from it to help my clients, but it's been so helpful in my personal life as well. And I highly recommend it to anyone who's uh, wanting to learn more how to lead themselves and, and lead others
1: amazing i'll put the link in the show notes for you all so you can check it out as well Silvana, thank you so much for being here i could just talk to you same here
0: this was so fun and i'm so glad it's you good. invited me
1: anytime so uh where can my where can my people find you on the internet? i
0: am i'm not that much on the internet i mean i do have a website
1: Ooh, I, see <laughs> <secrets>. <laughs> I do have a website it's <laughs>
0: elanvital.co so that's e-l-a-n V I T A L dot C O. And I'm on Instagram also under Sylvana Roche, but I don't really post there that much. It's really mostly um, if you want to get in touch with me through my website. And honestly, like I will say this to people, like I love talking to anyone, even if you're like not looking for coaching, but you want to talk about. I don't know, um, like books that you're reading or like the journey that you're on and you just want someone to share it with. Like, I love hearing from people who are doing this work. So uh, definitely you can contact me there on my, on my page, on my website.
1: Lovely. I will link all of that in the show notes. That's very generous of you, Silvana, to give your time in that way. I don't know a lot of people who would offer that so freely. So yeah, of course. To my dear listeners, you know what I'm going to say because I say it every week. Thank you for spending your time with us because I know that your time is the one thing you cannot make any more of. And I greatly, greatly appreciate that you give it to us. We will see you, friends, next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash
0: podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.